Welcome in to J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. Jackson Schroeder and myself are finally back from winter break. I'm Bobby Levine. Jackson, how was your winter break? It was great, Bobby. Nice and warm down in Savannah. We had probably had like 70-degree weather the whole time I was there. Came back up to Ohio, and I think it was 17 degrees when I got off the plane. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's horrible. I actually was in Israel. This is the first bowl pretty much uh, series I missed. I got back uh, December 30th, so I got all the, the, the BCS uh, – Final four games, which was great, but all the little bowl games I pretty much missed out on. Israel does not have ESPN, so I would wake up at pretty much 3 o'clock in the morning. It's a seven-hour time difference. Uh, Israel's ahead. I will get on my ESPN app and wa- or check out the scores of every game. I actually got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to check the OU box score to see they ended up losing to Troy, unfortunately. But the bowl games as a whole were great, Jackson. What was your favorite bowl as a whole besides the national championship game? Well, you know the national championship game was great last night. It lasted four and a half hours. That's pretty crazy. Um, But I got to choose the Rose Bowl. I mean, if you watch that game all the way from the beginning to end, that was a show. And I would even put that above the national championship um, as far as games go. I think if that was the national championship game, then that would be a way bigger story even. Uh, But like I said... I think that USC is one of the best four teams in college football right now, and I was a little worried about my prediction at the end of the third quarter, um, but USC ended up scoring 17 in the fourth to pull away in the end, and that was just great. In in Pasadena, a perfect Rose Bowl, classic team, Southern California against Penn State, great Pac-12, Big Ten matchup. That was just a great game all the way through. I'm going to agree with you 100%. I mean, one name here, Sam Darnold. Where did this kid come from? He was a backup quarterback coming into the year when they end up getting destroyed by uh, Alabama. Excuse me, that was USC. Uh, they end up coming in, putting him as a starter a little bit later, and he just goes on a tear. They finished the season ten and three. It was a complete shootout. Uh, my question is, with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley for Penn State. They were connecting like crazy in the second and third quarter. They put up all 49 points. They were shut out in the first quarter and then shut out in the fourth quarter. One score from Penn State in that fourth quarter, the ball game would have been over. I don't know what happened. USC's defense stood up on their on their heels and played a great fourth quarter game, scoring 17 unanswered points and winning that ball game of a score of 52 to 49. I am very excited for both these teams next year. They should be very highly ranked here in the AP to start out the year. And then once the college football playoff rankings come out, they should be extremely high. That's right. I mean, USC is back, and that's and that's great news. I can't wait to have these old historic programs back and winning games again, like USC and Texas. And uh, Oklahoma's going to have a good year next year, too. It's just going to be great old-fashioned college football looking forward. All right, now let's move forward to the Penn – or not, excuse me, the, the Florida State-Michigan game. Uh a little crazy thing went on in the beginning with uh, Peppers hurting his, I guess, hamstring in the warm-ups. I, he supposedly hurt it on Thursday, a couple days before the, the game happened. Um, then he sat out, but he wasn't even on the sidelines for the game. My question was, do you think Michigan was hiding a suspension because he was up in the booth? Or was he just didn't want to be a part of anything there? Well, that's a, that's a tricky, tricky question. I'm not sure if I'm equipped to completely answer that. Um, but I think he wasn't there. I think that he, he's a good, um, he's a good hardworking. He loves Michigan. He loves his time there. He's a good senior. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, I wish the best possible opportunity, but I don't know. I would be a little stumped on that. I don't know enough about it. Yeah, it was a great game. I don't know if you saw the end of that one. Uh, Florida State ended up coming back and winning that game 33-32. 
Uh, Michigan was down pretty much the whole game, got a lead there in the fourth quarter, then gave it up extremely late. Uh, we could flip to the last college football game uh, before the championship was the Ohio State-Clemson game. I think that shook a lot of people's uh, minds there that thought they understood what was going to happen after they saw Alabama take care of Washington uh, just before the game started. The Bra- or, excuse me, Clemson came out guns blazing. They wanted a rematch between that Ohio, uh, between that Alabama Crimson Tide team and won a chance to win a national championship. And boy, did they ever. They ended up shutting out Ohio State for the first time in over 100 years, the first time in Urban Meyer's uh, coaching tendency ever. Uh, they won that game 31 nothing. What was your take from that game? Well, that was just crazy. I don't think anyone, any college football fan could have guessed this outcome. Ohio State was the favorite going in. I know after um, – after seeing Michigan lose and seeing uh, some big some Big Ten losses, that people were a little bit down on Ohio State, but they were still the favorites. I think they were three and a half point favorites going into this matchup. And from the beginning, you just you okay. So this game started, and it was typical Ohio State losing, uh, being down ten to zero after the first quarter. But then you kept expecting Urban Meyer and this Buckeye team to get back in the game, but they couldn't. Clemson kept them down. That defense hit hit JT Barrett hard and hit him over and over again. JT Barrett, who usually has a good uh has a good game rushing, was negative two yards rushing, had 127 yards passing, zero touchdowns and two interceptions. They ate him up back there. And there's really no there's no excuse. I uh, the Big Ten might have been a little overrated this season. Uh the Big Ten definitely got what it deserves in the bowl games. Did not show up in a couple bowl games late there. Ohio State absolutely did not show up uh, getting shut out. Uh, I think it could have been a little different uh, if Durbin would have made it one of the, or both of his field goals, getting no points out of that uh, turnover, the interception early on against um, Deshaun Watson, hurt the Buckeyes, put them in a huge hole, uh, made JT Barrett needing to score touchdowns. And it, the Ohio State offense just hasn't been there uh, as a whole other than the Nebraska game later on in the season. They show up in the second half or the fourth quarter, excuse me, against Michigan. Um, but other than that, they weren't there. Uh, two things to note on this game, though, since then. Both offensive coordinators, co-offensive coordinators, Tim Beck left. Uh, he's going down and joining Herman at Texas. And just in today, Ed Warner, the offensive line coach and also co-offensive coordinator who took the roles of Herman uh, a couple years ago when Herman left to go to Houston, is just signed with Minnesota and joining P.J. Fleck in the row of the boat there. Uh, good luck to P.J. Fleck, who got a great job, uh, probably not the time he wanted to with the crazy stuff going on with Minnesota and the rape scandal going on there. Uh, but Ed Warner is now leaving. They just hired Kevin Wilson. That is Ohio State, the Indiana coach for the last couple years. That is going to be a huge thing to deal with. J.T. Baird is coming back for his redshirt senior year. Uh, his QBR this past game was 12.7. They just don't know how to use him in the offense yet uh, with all these playmakers. They were the youngest team. Kevin Wilson has had the number one offense in the Big Ten the last couple years with Indiana, and Indiana is pretty much a no-name team in the college football world. So imagine what he could do with the athletes that Ohio State has. I am very excited to see what happens there. That's right. I am too, and they've gotten their fair share of good recruits, five stars coming in, and uh, at the quarterback position especially. They've got um, two uh, two five-star recruits. that, that One's going to come in next year. Uh, isn't official yet, but – 
Oh, no, the one coming in this upcoming year is official, and then they've got another one scheduled um, for the 2018 season. Uh, but this is always a great offense, and I, I can't wait to see what they have in store for these next upcoming years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the recruiting classes that Urban just keeps bringing in, they're talking about this class right now that Urban's bringing in might be the best class of all time. Um, right now for Ohio State's 2017 class features six blue-chip defensive backs, including two five-star recruits, uh, the number one cornerback in high school in JUCO, and the All-USA Defensive Player of the Year. They're just going to reload. They just lost um, Malik Hooker. The last one they're waiting on is is uh, um, Lattimore, if he's going to go or not. But uh, if not, this team is going to be a star-studded lineup, a very young lineup once again. Uh, but I do expect big things out of Ohio State and Urban Meyer. Um, but they got beat by Clemson. Clemson goes on to the national championship. That game was yesterday, if you're listening to me, earlier this week. The best championship game I've seen in a long, long time. Absolute thriller. I know last year they talked about it, it, was be, it being really, really, really good. But last night it went, as you said, four-plus hours. And I'm going to say this right now. I said it in the fourth quarter to my buddy, who him and I had a bet, his name's Steve. I said Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback in college football in the last 10 years. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but the way he was stay composed the entire game after getting hit early on in the head, a couple rough shots, stayed in the game, ended up having three touchdowns, three for 420 yards. What did it say QBR was? 67.1. He completely outshined Jalen Hurts. Congrats to Deshaun Watson winning that MVP, and he's declared to the draft. What is your opinion on him as a quarterback? I think he's a great college quarterback, and I would I would definitely have that argument with you that he might be the best in the past 10 years with the uh, exception of maybe like Cam Newton. Um, but it's tricky there. But, yes, Clemson showed up to play, and it speaks to the composure and the in the fact that Deshaun Watson is a senior and he has been there before. This is what it came down to. If Alabama had Deshaun Watson on their team, then Alabama would have crushed Clemson. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But instead, they've got 18-year-old true freshman Jalen Hurts. And and he, while his stats aren't terrible, he threw for a touchdown, 131 yards. But to all of you who watched that game, I'm sure you know, he overthrew about 15 receivers. And there was a stat on uh, – there, there was a stat last night. And uh, – and that he that Clemson causes the most pa- uh, the most pass interference penalties out of any team in college football. All you need to do if you're Jalen Hurts is get that in the vicinity so that they can go up for grabs and uh, maybe get a pass interference call. You're overthrowing them by five, ten yards sometimes. That's ridiculous. I know that comes with age, composure, but he looked nervous. He was shaking in his cleats. I think the moment was a little bigger than what he was. Obviously, he's a true freshman, was pretty much thrown there in the fire game one against USC uh, after the starting quarterback. I don't even know his name. Did not show up. I mean, he showed up, but he just played poorly against USC's team. Um, Here's a couple stats I took away from this game that impressed me big time and and showed why Deshaun Watson is, in my opinion, the best quarterback. I'm I'm agree with you that Cam Newton's a great quarterback in college football, but I don't think he's better than Deshaun Watson because he was only there for one year. He was uh, out of Florida at the beginning, and then went to JUCO, then came back to Auburn, and then won the national championship that year. Deshaun Watson completed 36 passes. Jalen Hurts attempted 31 passes. So he c- completed five more passes than Jalen Hurts did as a whole total passes. Um, 
He hit his targets. Jalen Hurts, again, as you said, overthrew everybody. And I think the offense relies on Bo Scarborough too much. He broke his a, a bone in his leg there in the uh, third quarter, and the offense completely shut down. I mean, you see the scoreboard right there. 28 points in the second half for Clemson to compare to 17. And one of that touchdown in the fourth quarter was a 30-yard absolute breakaway run there by Jalen Hurts, who got pretty lucky that the coverage broke down, and he just ran and uh, ended up scoring a huge touchdown later on, later on in the game. But Deshaun Watson led his team down with 2.04 left in the game with two timeouts and scored with two seconds to go. It was a perfect scripted thing. Dabo Sweeney, hats off to you. I mean, absolutely showing up. Nick Saban, supposedly the best coach of all time in college football, which I'm not arguing that. I think he's done his job winning a, so many national championships. But I want to see what he does now, Nick Saban, because he's a control freak. And this is the first time he's ever lost in a national championship, dating all the way back to 03 when he first won it with LSU. I think he's going to have to take a long look at this because this team right now that lost earlier this week to Clemson was supposedly the best college football team of all time, and they looked like they had a lot of holes in that team. No, I agree with you, but I think the hole, their Achilles heel, was Jalen Hurts. And like, and their defense, That this is where Clemson is great. They're, they are one of the best offenses of all time in college football, I would say. This year's Clemson offense... And their defense showed up, especially late against Alabama. Um, but without Jalen Hurts, a true freshman starting there, he only completed 13 of 31 passes. He was their Achilles heel. I think this Alabama team, without the quarterback, is one of the best teams in college football history. I don't. I um, I know that's being questioned now. I would question it also a little bit. But I think Jalen Hurts, <laughs> no pun intended actually hurt them in this game. No, I'm agree with you 100%. I'm looking at the the receiving numbers here. Uh the turnover battle was 2 to 1 or 2 to 0, excuse me. Uh two fumbles lost by Clemson. One was Deshaun Watson early on and Gallman, the running back coughed up one, but the receivers were reliable. I mean, Deshaun Watson put these balls on the money that I've never seen before. I mean, that last drive, he was putting them in literally the perfect positions and his receivers were coming up with it. Leggett had 95 receiving yards. Mike Williams had 94. Kane had 94 yards receiving. And Renfro had 10 receptions, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he had the game winner. It was incredible. The whole the whole last quarter was just in awe. I was in, in loving watching every single second of that game in the second half. Um, I wish we could have a championship game like that every single year that just put everyone on, on the edge of their seat not knowing what was going to happen. But uh, both these teams next year should be front runners to win a national championship. Uh, Deshaun Watson leaving should put them in a little hole behind Alabama because Alabama's a recruiting classes. But Dabo Sweeney, man, that kid and that coach just brings in quarterback after quarterback. I mean, he had Taj Boyd before him, and now Deshaun Watson takes over. Great job the last couple of years from Clemson. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they Clemson might struggle a little bit more than Alabama this upcoming season because Mike Williams and Deshaun Watson has been they've both been such huge weapons for them offensively. Mike Williams is um, he is predicted to be the first receiver picked in the draft, and if you would if you saw some of his catches last night, he would be deservedly the uh, the first picked receiver crazy jumping up so high in the air i don't even know how he grabbed this yeah him or, him or uh the receiver there from western michigan i believe it's chris davis um incredible both those guys have unbelievable talent moving forward uh the number one tight end though it had to be oj howard he had four receptions he had that busted 68 yard touchdown pass there from hertz uh for 106 yards total uh, on the night and one touchdown like i said i mean but you take that 
68-yard reception from O.J. Howard and Jalen Hurts' numbers are pretty dismal if you think about it. Um, so he would have been under 100 yards other than that huge reception. Again, uh, Nick Saban got outcoached. I think a huge thing, though, Lane Kiffin, that firing there one week before the championship game after he gets the job done against Washington, they put uh, Sarkeesian, uh, the old USC coach, old Washington coach, as offense coordinator. And things just don't pan out. I think Nick Saban's going to have to sit down with him, his uh, higher-ups, and talk about what they're going to do moving forward because Lane Kiffin is out. He's at Florida Atlantic. And I think, to be honest with you, I know he tweeted out a picture of him sitting on his couch with Alabama Crimson Tide sweatpants. I think he was smiling inside that they got beat. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know. I think that Steve Sarkeesian is a good coach and that he would have had a good tenure at uh, USC had he have stayed sober and out of the media and everything. But I think that he would be a good person to stick with uh, moving forward um, if you're if you're Nick Saban. He's a good offensive coordinator. He's a good offensive and defensive mind, really. Um, he's a good person to have on your staff. I mean, that's Nick Saban's show. Whatever Nick Saban says goes. But uh, I think they should and will stick with Sarkeesian, especially for, uh, at least for next year. Well, I guess moving forward next year, the, the opening game of the year for Alabama's schedule is Florida State. It's going to be an absolute barn burner. Both those teams are, are top four to predicted to win the national championship next year. Whoever wins that game is going to be front runner for sure. Uh, I'm excited to see what Florida State can do in an offseason. Um, but it's going to be exciting. I'm excited to see what, what college football looks like next year. A lot of, a lot of changing the guard. A lot of guys going to the draft early. Uh, as you can see, Ohio State losing a lot of guys. Michigan losing 43 three seniors that team's going to look a whole lot different and you got a whole bunch of coaching changes you got pj fleck going to minnesota uh you got houston losing their bread and butter office coordinator now going to uh texas um that's in herman and les miles is still waiting there we'll see what happens with lsu and uh coach orgeron but a lot of things moving forward in the college football season jackson it's been fun talking to you about college football the entire year it's crazy it's over but now let's uh switch gears to the nfl uh last week all four home teams won. That is exactly the opposite of last year's wild card weekend as all four home teams lost there, including my Bengals against the Steelers uh, and a heartbreaking loss. But this year, pretty much all the games were blowouts. Uh, not really much to talk about in close games. Houston got the job done against uh, the, the quarterback list and Derek Carr and Oakland Raiders. You look at Detroit, um, they, got, they lost. Excuse me, Seattle beat them. Um, now they're going up, and then you have uh, – Pittsburgh moving on, and then you also have the Green Bay Packers moving on. So, who are your who are your takeaways for this upcoming week in the NFL? Uh, I know you got a lot of, I guess, love for the Patriots as they're sitting at number one. But who you got? Who you got to say? Um, well, first, I want to address these uh, these wild card games a little bit. I it was disappointing to see all these blowouts. It was the most disappointing the Oakland at Houston game. I think with Derek Carr healthy, that Oakland team is completely different. And that's why he's one of the MVP candidates. The MVP is the most valuable player for your team. Who is the most, which player makes that team solely successful? Um, And I think Derek Carr obviously is that um, for Oakland. And uh, as as far as the rest of the, um, as far as the rest of the playoffs go, we got Seahawks against the Falcons. Your the Falcons. The Falcons I, I am. I'm very excited about that game. But um, 
the Fal- this is how I see it going. The Falcons have a great offense, not a great defense. They play in a weak division, which has gotten them some wins. The Seahawks are dangerous, but they're dangerous at home, and they only lost. And the Falcons lost by only two points. It was twenty six to twenty four earlier. I think it was week six, and the uh, Fal- when the Falcons lost to the Seahawks in Seattle. This could be a different. This could be a different um, result here. I don't know. I'm hoping so. But um, I think the Patriots lock down, kill the Texans. The Steelers, I think they're one of the best teams. I, them and the Patriots, I think, are the two best teams in the NFL right now. So I see, I see them beating the Chiefs uh, in a barn burner down there. Um, and Packers-Cowboys, this is interesting. Red hot, red hot Packers team, red hot. And the Cowboys have been great all year, but they've got two rookies in the backfield. And... Um, I see them slipping up. I think Aaron Rodgers gets this, the job done and uh, beats the Cowboys in their first-round game. All right, I had a couple of things to say here on all of these games. Start off with the Seahawks and Falcons. Vegas has a line at 4.5 for the Atlanta Falcons. I think right now Matt Ryan hasn't played in a NFL playoff game in some time. I think the last time they played, they played the Giants, where they only scored two points. This was a while ago when the Giants, I think, won in 2012. Was it a rookie year? No, I think it was 2012, I believe it was. Um I think him and Julio Jones are going to finally light up the Seahawks defense who's battling injuries with Cam Chancellor. Uh, I think that the Atlanta Falcons are going to win this game. I'm, I'm rooting them for you. I'm not a Seahawks fan anymore. Pete Carroll, uh, I, I, think, I think I lost respect for Pete Carroll when he didn't hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line a couple Super Bowls ago. Uh, lost them and cost them a ring possibly. I think the Patriots take care of the Texans and Brock Osweiler. But how awesome would the story be if Brock Osweiler was fighting for the starting position all year long, gets a huge win against Oakland, and somehow manages to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in uh, in New England? That'd be uh, Foxborough. I couldn't even think of the city. Putting him in the AFC Championship game, I think that'd be a, a, a sight to see. I mean, he did not play in any playoff game last year as Peyton Manning took that role in Week 17 against the Chargers. But I'm rooting for Brock Osweiler. I know he's been uh, a lot of heat on him about the starting role and how much money they paid for him. But uh, give the guy some time. He's a big, big, huge guy. Just too much pressure on him right now. Uh, the Steelers game, huge, huge matchup against the Chiefs. This one in Kansas City. This game is going to be absolutely super loud there. All the Chiefs fans at Arrowhead Stadium are going to be loud and about. I want to see Alex Smith finally show up in a playoff game and get a huge win. I know the thing that I'm looking at right now is how good of a coach is Mike Tomlin. He left in Ben Roethlisberger too much last week. When they were up a couple scores, I think it was 17 points, they left him in. Big Ben dropped back to pass, got ended up hitting, uh, got hit while he threw the ball, tweaked his ankle, and I think he's hurt for this game. So he should be uh, limping around back there, which could hurt his mobility. And then the game that we've been talking about there, that 440 game on Sunday, that Packers and Cowboys game, I think the winner of this game goes to the Super Bowl. Possibly wins the Super Bowl as well. Here's a stat for the Packers. The Packers and the Giants have played three years or yeah, three years prior to this in the playoffs. Each one of those times, they whoever won that game went on to win the Super Bowl. So twice for the Giants and once for the Packers in the last ten years that's happened. Uh Packers won this past game. If they beat Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, expect them to punch their ticket all the way to the Super Bowl. I think Dak Prescott and his rookie self is going to have to step up big time. Not really for much for Zeke. Zeke's going to run the ball regardless. The offensive line is going to do their job. But can Dak make big-time pressure throws at home? That's going to be the question. 
Yeah, that is going to be the question. Um, it's going to make for an interesting Super Bowl, and uh, the next round is going to be great, too. I know everyone thinks that New England's going to pull away, but we've got some talent coming out of the N- NFC side, and uh, we'll see how it goes there, Bobby. You got anything else to say before we get Matt Harrington on this show? That's it. We want to welcome in Matt. All right. Well, guys, thank you. This is Jackson Schroeder alongside me. Later on this, uh, before we get to Matt, uh, I expect to have a couple other guys to come on as well. Uh, Max McDoolin to probably talk about some college basketball as March is soon approaching us. Uh, hopefully the winter up here in the north isn't as bad as it has been in the past. Uh, global warming might help that a little bit. But, again, Jackson Schroeder alongside me is Bobby Levine. was going to welcome in Matt Harrington. All right, and for the last segment here, we're going to bring in not only my good friend Matt Harrington, but my roommate for this semester. He's going to come on pretty frequently here to talk about the NBA. He's going to be our NBA expert for this last semester. Now, to th- start things off here in the NBA, we're going to talk about Derrick Rose. Now, in the offseason, he got traded from the Bulls to the New York Knicks. A little crazy story happened earlier this week as he, uh, I guess, went home to Chicago. Matt, you want to explain what's going on and, and what your opinion of this whole situation is? Yeah, like, so pretty much, again, my name is Matt. I'm a high school buddy of uh, of Bobby here. Pretty much Derrick Rose went AWOL from the team. Now, who does that? Really, who does that? Uh, he didn't give any, any explanation on why he went to the, to Chicago. He just left before a morning shoot-around, and he said it was for a family reason that he, that he needed to be with his mother. Now, this seems like something, you know, written from a movie script to me. Like, you have a star basketball player. I feel like he went undercover, like he's an undercover spy or something like that, you know. If you uh, recall the movie Spy from, I'm not sure what what year it was, but it had Eddie Murphy. He was the star boxer in it. And then there was a, a undercover agent in, what was uh, the blonde hair, blonde hair guy? Kevin Wilson? Uh, something like that. Yeah, and then Eddie Murphy was the undercover agent, and he did all this undercover stuff. I can't talk right now, guys. I apologize. But then I feel like this is something similar to that, where Derrick Rose did just that with his family. I don't know. Seems a little weird to me. What's your take on it? I don't understand what's going on with Derrick Rose. He's been a mess ever since, I want to say, the buzzer beater he had against the Cavs a couple years ago. yeah. You could say he peaked then, maybe. <laughs> uh, I mean, I realized he won the MVP a couple years ago. Then he tore his ACL, and it was downhill ever since then. I don't understand what's going on. I, I was excited to see what he could do in New York, a, a new home, a new setup for him. I know everything wasn't working out in Chicago. Uh, Dwayne Wade came over and pretty much filled his role there and is doing an okay job, you could say, right now. I don't know how much longer Derrick Rose has in the NBA. If he's doing this right now and leaving the team without saying anything, I think that's a huge problem, not only for his ego, but for his teammates. I mean, his teammates were relying on him to come out. I saw a couple of funny tweets that they were playing New Orleans, so it was N.O. On the, on the schedule, so they're saying he didn't even understand there was a game going on. But regardless, he, he's a head case right now. He, he definitely is. Um, he's averaging 70 points in the season. You know, people expect him to be, you know, around the 20-point range. But, you know, after a serious knee injury, a couple of them on both knees, you know, that takes a lot out of you on physically and mentally. So we don't know. We don't know what's going on with Derrick Rose's case right now. All right, so let's, let's change subjects here to another veteran in the league, uh, Kevin Garnett. He is retired from playing basketball. What's the new news on Kevin Garnett? So Kevin Garnett, KG, as we know, he signs on as a Clippers consultant uh, where he rejoins Doc Rivers and Paul Pierce, and Paul Pierce just absolutely loves it. He loves it. He says he loves being around him. He loves the – you know, the the voice that he loves hearing his voice pretty much. <laughs> and uh, so pretty much Kevin Garnett, he'll be in and out with the team. He won't be on the team's bench when 
when the when it's time to suit up, nor will he travel with the team. He's just pretty much there, you know, to guide the young the young boys and the Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan pretty much. All right, well, now moving on to the standings here. We'll talk about the East first, and we'll flip to the West. I think the East is pretty cut and dry. The Cavaliers right now are, are dominant. They're 28-8 in first place by four and a half games over the Toronto Raptors. They're around 35 to 40% done with the season. Do you see anyone from the East stepping up and taking that number one overall seed from them moving forward? You know what, Bobby? I honestly don't. You know, the Cavs, they're head and, above, head and shoulders above the East. Um, they just got Kyle Korver, and he's suiting up tonight. Um, I just I don't really see anything that's going to separate um, any other team from getting ahead to, uh, against the Cavs. Excuse me. So with that being said, I see a, a potential not a potential but a rematch with the Warriors and the Cavs with the Warriors taking the crown. It's too much star power. Now I'm looking at the rest of the East right now. You got Toronto, who was a I guess you could say a competitor against the Cavs late yeah. in the postseason last year in the Eastern Conference. Boston, they got a young coach there, and Stevens from Butler, who's been dominant so far. He's the three seed right now, twenty three and fourteen. He's a smart guy. Very smart guy. You have Atlanta, who just as you said, traded Kyle Korver. How big is that pickup for the Cavs moving forward? Even though they got rid of a couple old guys on that team in Mo Williams. Um, honestly, just view that as you know the team just trying to spread the ball, spread the court. Um, they're trying to make isolation for Kyrie, which is very important. Once he dribble, draws, and penetrates. He can have the option of kicking to Kyle Korver, which is a big deal. He's a capable 50% free throw, free throw shooter, three-point shooter. And once he gets going, it's a wrap. <laughs> and you mix that, win, mix that in with J.R. Smith, who comes back later in the year, um, that's going to be pro- problems for te- other teams in the future, definitely. <laughs> My last thing to talk about in the East, though, if the, fin- if the playoffs started right now, the number one seed would be the Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers, excuse me. They'd be going against the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, you and I talked about the Greek freak. An unbelievable center for the Milwaukee Bucks. He can play point guard. He can play any position. The guy has ball handling skills. Could that possibly give a win or two to the Bucks if they play a seven? Or it'll be a five game series in the beginning or a seven game series? I think it'll be a six game series. Six game series. series. Uh, you have a guy who could dribble the ball only two times in each side of the court on the fast break and dunk the ball with two steps on one side of the court. Like he's a phenomenal player. And he's surrounded by other guys like Greg Monroe, Jabari Parker, who's awesome as well. I think he's averaging maybe 17, 18 points this year. He's expanded on his three-point game. He can also dunk on you, which is <laughs> what fans come to see. Um, they really just need a point guard. Deladova, he's a good guy. He's a you know he's an Aaron Craft like player. He's, he gets to the ground. He plays the nitty gritty. But um, they just need that point guard who's going to you know turn things around for them. Maybe that could be Giannis. We'll see. Yeah, Giannis right now is averaging 24 points per game. Whoa. He's got 5.7 assists per game. That's a guy over seven foot tall, dishing the ball out almost six times per game. 22 years old. 20. He's about as old as I am right now, <laughs> and his and his field goal percentage is 53.3 percent. The guy is an animal. If you haven't seen him yet, please tune into a game. Now switching to the Western Conference. In my opinion, the top seven teams there in the West are the best teams in basketball, other than the Cavs, probably. Definitely. I don't I don't think uh, Toronto could compete against the top seven. Portland right now is 16 and 23 as the eight seed, but I see one of those teams, either them or maybe the Kings or the Pelicans, getting hot later on and getting the 500 to make the playoffs. Right now, they have three teams still left with less than 10 losses. Golden State's the one seed at 32 and six. San Antonio Spurs are 30 and seven, a game and a half behind the Warriors, and the Houston Rockets are 30 and nine, two and a half games back. Who will win that number one seed and get home court in the West? Well, there's no doubt that the Warriors they will 
continue to cement their place <laughs> among their legacy that they're, you know, what's going on right now. The Warriors, they're just, again, they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the West, including the Spurs and the Rockets. And if I have to say anything, um, James Harden, he deserves the Most Improved Player of the Year award. Uh, he's averaging 28 points, 8 rebounds, and 11 assists, and he's converted to a point guard position. Me and my friends call him the point god now. Um, so if anything, that that's what James Harden is doing. So, But if you want to go back to the Warriors, the Warriors – they just have too many problems uh, against other other teams. Uh, Kevin Durant, nobody can guard him. You can he, he can shoot over everybody, and then you have Clay Thompson, who's a sharpshooter, dead eye. Steph Curry, we haven't even mentioned him, and I think that he likes the spotlight is not on him this year. It's on KD. He's the best player, and he's taking over that team pretty much. <laughs> no, I'm, we, we talked about that last night. We were talking about how. You do have Durant coming from the Thunder, and then all of a sudden you don't hear Steph Curry at all, and all the spotlight goes exactly right back to LeBron James in Cleveland. Uh, the spotlight turns then to the Warriors as they're the bad guys, the villains. But in my opinion, it's kind of weird saying they're the villains. If you look at it just uh, seven years ago, LeBron did the same thing to Cleveland, and he was the villain there. Same thing. They, they took the villain pride real well. I'd like to see a championship between the Warriors and the mm-hmm. Cavs this year, especially with the big four up in uh, Golden State mm-hmm. in, the San- in the Bay Area. It would be very interesting to see, though, because the bench last year for the Warriors was so much better mm-hmm. than it is this year and was Definitely. better than the Cavs. With a low bench and not even a center, I guess, predominantly there, that you have green down low, mm-hmm. could they beat the Cavaliers in seven games? You know, you need a center, you know, to defend, you know, the, the paint area. <laughs> if you don't have that big guy that sets the tone down in the paint, then you're going to ultimately lose. You can have all these shooters all you want, all these skilled players that you want, but you – the most important thing is that that big man, that big man, excuse me, that big man presence down low. He's going to set the tone. He's going to get the the hard fouls. He's going to get the message across. Now, looking at the last thing here, I'm going to ask you about MVP. Uh, They've already played around 45 to 50 percent of the game so far in the NBA. Who was your about midseason MVP pick right now? Again, if we're if we're throwing out all standings and everything like that, I feel like it's James Harden versus Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> uh, Russell Westbrook, if you don't know, he's averaging above 30 points a game, 31.2 to be exact, 10 rebounds, and 10.6 assists. So he has Oscar Robinson-like statistics. I can't talk. Um, so, again, if we're throwing out all standings, those are the two that are, you know, in the MVP contention. But if I was going to give it to somebody, it has to be James Harden because we are including standings, and that's, you know, the criteria for it. And again, they're they're thirty and nine right now. They're on a seven game win streak. That's that's absurd to me, <laughs> you know. After the coaching change that they made, you know, there's definitely improvement with that criteria. Actually, they're on an eight game win streak and they're live right now against the Hornets. Uh, they're up eighty or eighty three to hundred. They're killing them right now. So they're about to extend that win streak to nine games. Uh, you're going to stick with Harden. I picked in the beginning of the year Russell Westbrook. I think the triple-double itself is too good. You saw in college football, uh, they might have gave it to Lamar Jackson early on. Mm-hmm. And if you would have looked at the playoffs in the championship games, you would have oh, to get to Sean Watson, Sean. which could be exactly what Harden is there. Very synonymous. <laughs> but I'm going to stick and stay with um, Russell Westbrook as my MVP. Still about 
just before the midway point. I want to thank Matt Harrington for coming on, Jackson Schroeder again earlier on this episode. This is a huge, huge semester, my last semester. Jackson's going to take this show over afterwards. So we have a lot of stuff going on here. We're going to probably do a couple Facebook Live videos moving forward. If you guys can give this a share on Twitter or share this on your Facebook, that'd be great. Again, this is J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. My name is Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder and Matthew Harrington. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful night. Have a good one.